This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the very best media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And today we're going to be speaking with Dana Bull, who is not only a top producer, but also a marketing and branding expert. So we're going to be talking about how to incorporate more of that into your real estate business now in 2021. Before we get to Dana, a quick sort of show note, behind the scenes note, while we were recording this, we actually actually had a failure about halfway through the episode, so we had to re-record the second half. So if you're watching this instead of listening, uh, you'll see that we're wearing different clothing all of a sudden. Uh, If you're listening, you probably won't notice it as much, um, but there may be a slight change in the audio there. So we stitched it together to make it look like one continuous and sound like one continuous episode, but technically we recorded it twice, and special thanks to Dana Bull for being so patient and understanding through that glitch. So uh, we we love Dana. She's amazing. And you're about to hear why we wanted to re-record the part that we missed because she's so excellent. All right, guys. So without further ado, let's get to Dana Bull. Today on the show, we have Dana Bull from Sotheby's International Realty from the Boston area and north of Boston area. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Dana. Uh, Dana caught the real estate bug in her early 20s, investing in homes across the Boston area. Drawing from years of hands-on experience, she developed a niche for advising clients on ways to maximize wealth through real estate. An active voice in the real estate arena, Dana has been a columnist for the Zillow Group and has written for Zillow, Inman, National Association of Realtors, among other publications. She's a frequent expert in the media, and her commentary has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, the Washington Post, and countless other outlets. Dana is a certified luxury home marketing specialist and the marketing director for Team Harborside, which is the number one Sotheby's international realty team on Boston's North Shore. Please visit her website at DanaBullRealtor.com. Again, that's DanaBullRealtor.com. And welcome, Dana, to the show. Thanks, DJ. Thanks for having me. We're so I'm so excited because I am also a, a, a writer, although certainly with with not as many of the credits uh, as you have uh, earned. Um, so I and you have a lot of opinions, and we're so excited <laughs> to have you uh, to tell Famous our audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we will not torpedo your career in this uh, <laughs> in this interview. By, no, but we definitely want. I would love to know uh, a lot about sort of your thoughts about you know the current state of affairs in real estate. But before we get to all that, I'd love to know your story. So how did you get into real estate? You know, we're, how did you get involved and, and when and why? Sure. So I got into real estate more so on the investing side. 
Um, I graduated in college in 2011 with a freshly minted marketing degree um, right into the recession. So it was slim pickings in terms of employment at the time. I landed a job um, that I, a great job that I wasn't passionate about in tech marketing. So I was selling software. Um, but in the background, I had kind of this side hustle with my boyfriend and we were buying real estate in the Boston area. So we did that for a few years and actually it was my real estate agent who told me, you know, you've got to come over to the dark side. You have to get your license. And I give him all the credit. He, he forced me to go get my license. Well, and, even just, yeah. even just to save on commissions as an investor. Right. Yeah. right. You know, his rationale was I've taught you so much going through the process with you buying that you're really um, already in a great position to start helping other people. Sure. And, and he was right. So I was um, working in tech and also doing real estate on the side for maybe six months before I ended up having to go full time into real estate. Wow. And, and then have you been doing it ever since, I'm guessing? Yeah. So I've, I've had to make some tweaks um, to, to my career, just really as my life changes, um, in the past six years, I've had two kids. So going through that and, uh, you know, trying to stay full time is, is pretty difficult. Um, so I've done a lot in terms of building up my referral network and, and, uh, referring out a good portion of my business out to other agents. And I also, um, do marketing for a team. And uh, I love that aspect of my job where I basically get to put together all the promotions for our um, exceptional properties. So that's sure. anything that is um, a multi-million dollar listing or just anything that's historically significant or different or something that we need to promote through some unique channels. Yeah, that's so, gosh, that's so interesting. Uh, your path has been really a you know, so many people get into the business as, as investors. So that's such a common reason to get a license, whether they ever help individual buyers and sellers or just their own transactions. Um, we, I know at our firm, we have about 700 realtors here and I don't know, I'd say at least a fifth of them are investors. So it's very, very common reason why people get their license and maybe traditional agents don't always know that, um, who are only working with, you know, retail clients, um, and, and the public. Um, but, um, you know, I think you're right too. Like having that experience with your own investments really sets you up in a way that maybe other agents without that past experience uh, to allow you to better service those clients. And I imagine, did you also work with a lot of investors too, simply because you knew that landscape really well? So that's how it panned out. Um, in the beginning, I was fortunate in that I was 25 years old when I, when I became licensed. And so I was in a, just a prime time to serve my friends and my family. And sure. that really started to snowball. Um, so at that time, everybody's thinking about, oh, should I buy my first place? Right. And who do I know in my sphere? Oh, Dana, she already owns five properties. She must have an idea of how this all works. So it was kind of a layup. And that um, when you think about it that way, but what was strategic is that I really uh, branded myself to towards helping my own uh, demographic. And Smart. it was, you know, easy because it was front of mind. I knew what I was doing, but I also kind of system, uh, I built out systems for, yeah. for that aspect of the business. And so I was able to kind of tailor the experience for buyers and offer something that other agents weren't able to offer. 
And I feel like I, I was able to connect with my clients on many different levels because we were kind of in the same um, point in life, right? Yeah. I mean, I bought my first place when I was, I think I was 29 or 30. And I was one of the last, this is back a million years ago, but it, I was one of the last people, um, you know, to do that in, in my peer group. Cause I was like the poorest of all my friends at the time. <laughs> so I just couldn't do it. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think getting your license in the mid twenties after already investing in a number of properties really does set you up to help your peers and, and all of the people in your sphere of influence. Um, but you are, you're really a marketing person at heart as well, right? That's, that's really where you spend a good chunk of your time now. I yeah. love talking to marketing people. I'm a marketing person at our company, although in a different capacity than what, than what you do. Um, but I would love to talk marketing with you because we, we don't really get to talk a lot about that on the show. And sure. just talking about what you think agents get right, what do they get wrong? You know, if somebody's out there thinking, you know, obviously the business is all about finding new, new people who need your services, which a lot of that is covers through marketing. Um, and would just love to, to get your thoughts and, and ideas about how agents could improve their marketing in 2021. Um, and maybe just some things that you see working and what you see maybe that isn't working. Do you want to start with marketing ourselves as agents or as yeah, marketing the properties? Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's start with ourselves simply because for a lot of our listeners who maybe feel like they should be busier right now because rates are so low and people have been inside and maybe itching to move. Um, but of course we're limited in our ability to physically move around. You know, there's a lot of agents that I know, at least at our firm, there's a lot of agents that are frustrated who are going, how come some agents are so incredibly busy and others aren't? I know there's no easy answer for that, but would love to, they are always like, what are they doing that other agents aren't doing? And I would just love to pick your brain about what you see working um, with marketing yourself. Sure. So the first thing that I would do, and I did this for when I was building my investment portfolio, and I also did this with my own business, is I, I don't want to look at the business in a vacuum. I want to step back and look at it in terms of my life and what are my goals? Because a lot of times when you're putting together your business plan, it um, doesn't play nicely with some of the other goals that you have for yourself. And you become frustrated because it's unachievable in the, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so I think once you're able to do that, you can set some, you know, kind of build this, this business for yourself that just cooperates with everything else that you have going on. So for instance, for me this year, I just had my second baby. Um, he's four months Congratulations. old. Thank you. So what do I want to be doing this year? Well, I kind of want to be going to mom's groups, you know, sure. because I want to make new mom friends. Uh, but that's also, you know, a benefit of that is meeting new people in my community that are in a, a situation where they might be looking for a new home when, you know, it, it could be in a few months or a few years when they have another kid. So sure. just kind of going out there and, and networking, but also making friends, right? So, but I think that that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they set these really aggressive business goals and then it, it's, it's, they don't set themselves up for success because, you know, it has them working every single weekend or every single night and they're going in a million different directions. Um, so the other aspect is I really try to narrow in on that focus. Um, I say no to opportunities every day. I say no to mo almost all opportunities. I know that sounds crazy. Um, but for, for instance, I refer out about 90% of my business and I wow. keep about 10% because I will only take on a client 
if I know that I can absolutely knock it out of the park and if they really kind of fit my super specific criteria. So I think that because I've said no, 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 so many times, it's allowed me to really focus on the things I can say yes to, um, which is something that I think most people are, are afraid to do. But yeah. you know what, what it does allow you to do is you're able to, to every day focus on the aspects of your job that you really love. Um, and then I think you, you end up having more business coming your way because you become an expert, right? Yeah. It's that Jack of all trades, master of, of none. Right. So it's, it's, yeah. And, and it does a couple other things too, by saying no, what you're really doing it from a, I mean, assuming it's from a very authentic and honest place of, I could do this possibly, but I have somebody else that would do a much better job, or I just don't know that area, Mr. Or Mrs. Client. And it really doesn't make sense for me to represent you because someone else will do so much. I will find that person or I already have that person. They're going to, they're going to take amazing care of you. I mean, that is an incredible amount of trust that just is established from, from, from the client that you're willing to step away. You're not saying I'm not taking care of this, but I'm going to give you to somebody that will do a better job. And that that's a very powerful thing to build trust. Um, also respect, you know, nine out of 10 agents wouldn't do that. Probably I'm just making that up, but that's probably about the statistic, probably eight out of 10 agents um, would say, I'll take the list. I'll take the listing or I'll take the buyer and I'll just learn the stuff along the way. I think that is a really powerful way to also, yeah, just establish yourself as an honest, trustworthy person who really authentically wants to help the client in the best possible way. Um, and of course it builds great relationships with other realtors who might be able to, you know, with your super strict criteria of who you do work with, maybe they'll be able to pass, you know, business back to you. Exactly. And so I think when I look at my business, I've spent a significant amount of time kind of perfecting the areas where I work, but an equal amount of time networking with other agents and trying to find agents who, um, you know, uh, this agent specializes in distressed properties or this right. agent specializes in commercial or whatever those various niches are. I think it's just as valuable for me to be able to make an introduction as it is to serve the client. And I think what you're also saying too, is by servicing all clients who kind of want to do all types of transactions in a large geographic area is you're, you're really taking away time to focusing on learning and mastering your own area too. And, and we all know what that's like that. I mean, Brian Buffini, I think was the one who sort of famously said, if, if you're a real estate agent and you're working an eight hour day, and I'm assuming this is him, so I apologize if I'm, if I'm misquoting this, but something to the effect of, somebody said it, they said about six of that eight hours is spent servicing your existing clientele. And you're probably spending an hour at best uh, you know, trying to find new clients on a given day and maybe an hour managing your finances or just, you know, doing admin stuff. But most of the day is spent servicing your existing clients. So if you are taking listings or buyer clients in areas that you're not familiar with, you're going to be spending the majority of your day working for them. And that's okay if that's what you want to do. But, you know, thinking the long game, which Dana, obviously you are, you've done is say, I really want to be an expert in this one specific niche. And I'm willing to, you know, still earn a, how great it is. We, you can earn a referral commission on all these other transactions and find trusted partners and then not have to spend that six hours every day or, you know, uh, working on those clients that you really, that isn't your main focus. Yeah. It, it, it's, that's the beauty of it is you're able to help the client 
put them in touch with the best person. And then that kickback is really nice when you do get that um, referral check in the mail, you know, months later after somebody else has really been doing the work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that comes from a position of, of serving the client, but also recognizing your own brand, your own skills and, and what makes the most sense for you. Quick question back to the giving away 90%, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are, they're really getting, you know, sort of stuck on that number because it's, yeah. it's such a high number. <laughs> um, I'm curious, once you started doing that, did, did your business actually, your bottom line actually increase over time because you're, you're just being able to focus your energy, you know, on the stuff that you want to do? I'm just, I imagine that probably over time did increase your business. So I would say I'm on that trajectory now. I would say my quality of life improved yeah. greatly. Sure. Um, and again, this came out of a necessity of when I got into real estate, I didn't have any kids. So I didn't care. I, were, I could work a hundred hours a week. It didn't matter. And I would. Um, but then that came to a screeching halt when I realized that I no longer had that agility. Um, so right now I'm I'm in the phase of building up this type of business. And this was a great year. I mean, I had a baby during a pandemic and still ended up making 30 referrals um, between $400,000 and $4 million transactions. Wow. And, um, you know, this is not my revenue wise best year, not by a long shot, but it was, um, it was less stressful and I'm a lot happier. And I know that those numbers will be reflected in years to come as I start to build this out. Yeah, that's quite such an important lesson. And for everyone listening, who is saying, I don't really know my niche yet. Maybe I'm a new realtor and I, I don't have that quite zo zeroed in on, or I just do so many things. Um, do you have any advice for agents who are struggling to figure out what their niche is? Because the easy answer is, oh, I want to do luxury real estate because everybody wants to do luxury real estate because they think maybe that's the solution to whatever their business challenges might, might feel like. Just like if, if I said, well, I wish I was, you know, wealthier, that's going to solve all my problems. And maybe <laughs> it would, maybe it would, probably it wouldn't. But, um, but the idea is a lot of people want to be a luxury real estate agent so that they can earn higher commissions. Um, and, but I, that's not always the best niche for a person if that's maybe not something that you're actually authentically passionate about. Right, right. Oh, you, you nailed it. Um, I do a lot of work in the luxury space, but that is not my favorite um, area in terms of representing clients because the deal cycle is, is so long. Yeah. Um, I find it stressful, but I love, um, you know, I love working with first-time investors. There's so much to talk about. There's so much to educate these clients on. And, um, they're just so excited to be doing it. So I find that to be extremely rewarding. So I think if you haven't established a niche, especially if you're a new agent, there's a couple of different ways that you could approach this. One is just kind of brainstorm. What areas of real estate are you interested in? or Are you most passionate about? Um, that could be a, a specific type of property. You know, maybe you live near the ocean, so it's a, a specific type of condo or specific type of house. Um, maybe it's distressed properties because you want to get into the, um, you know, finding deals with people and kind of yeah. scrounging around. You know, you enjoy that sort of chase. Um, so I would first just think about it. What what area excites you the most, and what area could you see yourself spending time in, and and um, educating yourself on and becoming a master at. 
I think just talking to other agents about their experiences, what areas they like or dislike. Um, and, you know, you, you could take the opposite approach of what I did. And instead of picking a niche, you could start broad and narrow it in as you sure. uh, get experience in, in these different avenues. Um, and then once you find something that resonates or clicks, you really hone in on that. So I think you can start small and go big, or you could do it in reverse. Well, in your case, it was probably easier to start small because you had already had experience as an investor. And what's really cool about that particular niche, and I'm not suggesting to all of our listeners and viewers that that's the niche they should consider because obviously you might not have passion for that, or but you can certainly learn it. And um, I'm curious, and, and I'm just curious what what your experience has been as as an agent who you know has worked with investors. You're an investor yourself, has worked with traditional buying and selling public. Um, the percentage of realtors, uh, you know, that actually are qualified to really speak to investors about real estate investments, has got to be a pretty small percentage. I would assume. Is that would you agree with that? Yes, and so my take on on the the industry that I serve or that this niche is I'll, I'll be frank it is super sketchy <laughs> it's um just whenever there's a listing for you know a multifamily house it's always like who is this agent well, who is this agent what is this agency what are those photos like what is going on here and um it's I, I don't understand it I don't I I don't understand why just because it's, it's an investment property, why does it need to be showcased so poorly? Um, I, it doesn't make any sense to me, but yeah, you know, ne you never even see professional photography for right, multi like what's up with that. Like, why is it so hard to just have a photographer take a, a high res photo? I don't know. Um, but I think what I bring to that area is, is a higher caliber, which yeah. is important, you know, buying a multifamily, it's, it's not, a, a small investment. It's a big chunk of change. And so I think my, my buyers, they feel like they're in good hands um, because they're backed by um, an agent that specializes in that area and also works for an agency that is well-respected. Right. Um, you know, Sotheby's International Realty is known as being a, a luxury brand, although that's not all we do. Um, but I think people just feel like they're, they're in good hands. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, the Sotheby's brand is is a huge, you know, huge brand, and um, for a lot of different reasons, and you know, they have they carries a lot of weight. But the fact also that that you do investment, um, which you typically you think luxury equals Sotheby's, of course they do, and you said it's not all they do, of course as well. Um, but you're right, and and I think you know you do see that a lot. Back to the investment side, where you do see these listings from these agents that you've never heard of. Um, you know, with these sort of, you know, strange, uh, you know, you know, listings on the MLS that that you know seemingly aren't aren't all that professionally um, shot or or described, um, and but you know that's that's the other thing too is that agents oftentimes think that well I, I don't want to get into investments because I don't know any investors and the reality it, it's been my experience with working with lots and lots of agents over the years that they say, oh, finding the investors is actually the easy part. The money part is really easy. The hard part is finding the deal and finding something that that actually makes sense. But I think it's also important for all the listeners and, and viewers to, to note that especially people who are who are who skew younger, they are learning about house hacking. That is a that is a very common term 
that is being talked about all over social media and in the news. So as an agent, if you're not talking to even your traditional buyers and sellers about you know, whether investing makes sense for them, just assuming that they're not interested, they might be studying that on their own. Right. And especially, um, you know, with, with house hacking, what's so great about this specific niche is it's usually not just one transaction. Right. These clients end up purchasing maybe another investment property or ultimately their primary residence at some point. So, you know, that's why, and, and the deals are hard. They are very difficult in terms of all the red tape that's involved when you're purchasing a building that's tenanted and just a lot of times they're distressed. Um, and so there's a, a lot of intricacies there, but you can learn it. You know, um, if it's something that, that you want to get into, you could partner with another agent in your firm and um, see if they can mentor you. And obviously you want to add some value there, but it's a, it's, that's definitely, um, when you're exploring these different niches, I think partnering up with somebody for, for a couple of them, isn't a bad idea. And again, yeah, that I, people don't want to do that because they don't want to lose the commission, but right. you, you, it's really an investment in yourself and in your business to, to learn how to do it the right way. So, yeah. And, and what I, what I recommend to agents too, if you're, if you're newer, especially is to try everything. I mean, try rentals, try residential rentals, maybe even try a commercial space. Um, try on the investment side, you know, for sales, multifamily, um, try as much as you can to see what you actually enjoy doing, work with buyers, sellers, renters, investors. Um, and, and, and th this was the one of, one of the two approaches you had mentioned, which is sort of cast your net wide, at least initially, um, and to figure out what you, maybe even more importantly, what you don't like to do. Yeah, maybe that's, that's the most important say. part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and find out, you know, you're, you're going to find out real quickly what types of clients you like to work with and what types of areas and types of transactions that appeal to you and which ones you're like, oh, I never want to do. A lot of times, for example, back to investment, a lot of people like working with investors simply because they don't necessarily always want to deal with the emotional side of, you know, traditional buyer and seller behavior. They really would, would want to, to just handle more of a, here's, here are the numbers. Does this make sense? And the investor says yes or no, which tends to be easier dealing with emotions. However, the, yeah, the cycle time can be longer. A lot more can happen. People don't necessarily have to live in those homes that are investors. So it could be a bit more challenging and complicated, but it also just, you know, try things, see what you like and dislike. Once you find out what your niche is, um, then sort of, how do you, I want to talk branding because I yeah. know that you're, you're a branding person. Um, uh, so Dana, uh, in 2021, it, it's actually now 2021. Um, tell us a little bit about branding and maybe what agents could do to either to further their brand or if they haven't really ever focused on developing a brand, um, you know, and, and adding marketing to to fuel that brand. Um, maybe any sort of suggestions or thoughts you have would be awesome. Yeah. So I love the topic of branding. I think when a lot of people think about branding, it's in terms of things like having logos and taglines and visual materials. And I definitely think that's important. And I've been in marketing for about 10 years. And over the past 10 years, there's just been this increase in uh, different tools and technologies that you can use as an agent affordably in order to help brand yourself. So if you don't work for a big agency that might provide 
some of those um, custom products. There, there's website building tools like Squarespace where you can put together a really nice, you know, graphically attractive website for yourself easily and affordably. There are page layout tools and design tools like um, Canva that are relatively intuitive. Um, years ago, when I first got into this space, we just didn't have access to these types of easy consumer products. Um, and that just makes it really simple. I think if you're an agent kind of stepping back and, and looking at how you are presenting yourself um, visually, you might be able to, to tackle some of that with those products. Um, but kind of moving beyond that and really, to me, I think branding is more about, um, you know, how you present yourself professionally. Hmm. And I think there's two areas that really come to mind when I talk about branding. And I think that's about being consistent. And I also think it's about setting a standard for yourself. Um, and this is something that I've kind of been developing over the past couple of years. So, you know, we often joke about the real estate agent that's been using the same headshot for 20 years, Sure. <laughs> right? Um, so that isn't very consistent. Uh, I think it's, it's clients expect something when maybe they've been speaking with you over the phone or they've been reviewing your website and you're going to meet with them at a listing for the first time. And I think you want that consistency in, in how you present um, both, you know, online and in real life. So having that updated headshot, kind of dressing the same way every time you see your clients, um, you know, the way that you communicate with them on the phone and via email, it's, it's, that's something that it's almost intangible, don't you think? Sure. Um, I've also learned that being a stickler for standards and yeah. really kind of figuring out what your own standards are as an individual um, like for me, punctuality is huge. If I'm ever late to something that really, really bothers me. Yeah. Um, but I'm also a stickler for things like email, um, and communicating appropriately and professionally via email, which I think is something that some agents sort of drop the ball on. Um, but, you know, maybe that's that's not an area that you care about, but you care about something else. And I think identifying those standards that you have and being consistent about that so your clients know what to expect. Um, I was on or I am on a, a marketing committee for for a nonprofit. And um, in our committee, we went through it took almost a year. We went through a branding exercise and we had actually the chair of, of our committee is, is a branding. This is what he does. He does branding um, for his, he has his own business and he works mostly with uh, consumer uh, CPG products. Um, and, and he said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about all the feelings um, that are associated with this particular brand that, that is this nonprofit. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just get to the cool strategy of how do we present our product? And in this case, it's a service. How do we present our service, you know, through marketing efforts? And he goes, no, no, that's the easy part. The hard part is starting at the beginning. And so what we had to do was really sort of counterintuitive to me, counterintuitive to me, which was starting with, 
What are the feelings that I want associated with this brand? And more importantly, what are the feelings that are already associated with, with my brand, uh, with this brand? And what are the feelings I, I want people to think about me? And who am I as an individual or who am I as a company? Um, you know, what are my true values? And, and so we took about, that was about half of the year, was about six months of us just going through, and, and people don't have, you know, real estate agents don't necessarily have to spend that amount of time on it. But I think you're right about standards is really starting to think about, you know, who are you as an individual? Are you somebody that's really punctual? And if you are, is that important to you? And how can you, you know, what is your standard for punctuality? Well, if that's part of the brand that you want to project out there, and of course, it seems like it would be for a lot of agents, then make sure that, you know, you have a, a standard for yourself that says on time is 10 minutes early or, or, or whatever that is. And then you just have to abide by that one standard. But I also just wanted to touch real quickly on communication, because really you're talking about communication and, and whether it's, you know, physical communication where you're in somebody's physical space or it's electronic communication or digital communication, um, social media. You're absolutely right. Or text messages. Um, I think text messages is, is probably where a lot of agents don't have a clearly defined standard or, or boundaries around how they communicate, how often, how quickly, uh, how, do, do they put punctuation at the end of their sentences? You know, these are things that like, as, as an agent, you really do have to think about is like, who are you as a brand? And then are you acting consistently with those, with those values? Yes. Yeah. And the texting thing is, is tough, right? Because, mm -hmm. um, the meaning behind what you text can so easily be misconstrued or misunderstood. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. You actually raised a really interesting point with doing that deep dive about the feelings and the emotions that are associated with, with certain brands. And that is so important. And I think with real estate, we're really just kind of at the tip of the iceberg here. Um, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I work for Sotheby's International Realty. And I think that our brand does that really, really well, oh, where they yeah. lean into the lifestyle. Um, and actually as an agent starting to think about homes, the homes that you're selling more focusing on the lifestyle and less so about the features and benefits, you know, and right. if you can pitch that lifestyle, understand what it is that potential home buyers want and really making that connection. Um, that's an easier sell. So yeah, I think, absolutely. I think agents, you know, even going back 10, 15 years, it would be, well, let's find a house that checks off all your boxes. And, you know, I would encourage you to go a little bit deeper than that. How is this house going to improve that buyer's life? What right. they want to be inspired by a certain property. And th that's true across all budgets. So it doesn't just need to be a luxury home for it to um, excite someone or, um, you know, you do need to pull at those emotions and the why, why are people moving? Why are they coming to see this house? Right? Yeah, knowing knowing your why as an agent about why you're in this business and, and what you're doing to 
you know, uh, for your clients is important, but, and more importantly is knowing the clients why. And, um, if you can know your clients, why it helps make a lot of the more objective parts of the business. So that why is the subjective part, right? So this is what the, the client is wanting for their family, for themselves. Um, you know, there's lots of emotions tied to these decisions and then there's all the objective parts. And so, you know, this comes into play when, you know, you have a seller, for example, who's not willing to lower their price um, on their home. And yet you as the agent go, I know they absolutely need to lower this price. And if you're just battling with them about this objective number, um, that may or may not you know, work. Um, but what you can, what you can do is go a bit deeper and say to that, to that client, let's, let's revisit your why, why are you selling this property? Well, you know, you want to move, uh, your, your children to a different school, um, you know, that has better education. Okay. Well, you know, now, and then you can start to talk about getting back to the why, and then realizing maybe that that price reduction isn't as important as it just seems as a number, because now you're getting into someone's why. Right. And, and helping them envision what the future looks like and the future might be held back by $5,000 in a list price, right? So um, kind of painting that picture and deciding what's important and how important. Um, I want to go back to, to I want to just circle back to to um, to Sotheby's for a second because that's such a it's such a great example of of branding um, as as a as a company Sotheby's everyone listening who is familiar with the brand Sotheby's which I assume most of our our listeners and viewers are you know what what words come to mind you know and you can just sort of say this silently or, or out loud to yourself but you know when you hear Sotheby's uh, you know we think about you know luxury we think about professional right they are very very um, intentional with the the material they put out now of course there are huge companies there's lots of resources there but they very intentionally created a brand to appeal Number one, to a specific kind of realtor who who can who can serve clients who are attracted to that brand. Um, of course, every agent is their own brand within that larger brand. But you know, think about you know what if you're working at a company where you should talk to the company about what their branding is too. Maybe you work for a smaller firm where there there isn't much thought about branding. Well, does that affect your business? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But you know, when you when you work at at, at a firm that that does have a specific brand, you know, how do you fit in within that brand? What materials are you sending out that are complementing what the 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 corporate is doing as well, or are they in conflict? Or um, and so I think it's really really important to to sit down and just sort of figure out. You know what are the feelings and 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 the the reactions you want from clients who work with you? You know, and and is that consistent with the company you work for, and then also with the communication that you're you know that you're putting out? Absolutely, and yeah, Sotheby's certainly holds that sort of. When when people think of Sotheby's, they think of excellence, they think of yeah. luxury, they think of an aspirational brand. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I have the, this is, I mean, I guess a good problem to have, but people are like, oh, you, you only do luxury. And that's actually not true. Sure. You know, my team, I handle the marketing for my team and we've sold everything from tiny little cozy uh, condos um, all the way up to multi-million dollar waterfront estates. And sure it's that same level of service that, and that's all about the consistency, regardless of the price point. Um, but yes, it's, it's hard for the, the consumers, um, the buyers and sellers who 
uh, Sotheby's has done such a great job branding um, the company as luxury. Oh, well, you know, my condos, uh, it's an affordable condo. You know, you're not the right brand for me, but it's, again, it's not, it's about the service, right? 100%. You know, we have a process for how we handle listings. um, And that's another part of, of your branding too. I think when you're articulating your value as an agent, what is it that you're bringing to the table when you're serving buyers and sellers? And I almost in my head kind of think of it um, for lack of a better term, but like a menu, you know, and this could be, this could be a checklist in your head of, okay, so for my listings, I, um, you know, create a custom property website. I, my standard is high uh, resolution photography across the board. I do not care if it's an investment property, a luxury home, an affordable home, that's just the standard. Um, and then every property gets an email blast, social media ads. Um, you know, we pitch it to, to local press, we run advertisements. And you as an agent can kind of come up with your own um, set of offerings and then figure out how to fill in those gaps if you need to. And, and in addition to that, you know, we should also talk, and, and that's all just ac- amazing stuff. So as an agent, let's, you know, let's think about what do we want to provide to our buyers and sellers? What are the standards for service? And, you know, maybe you shouldn't have a different standard, whether it's a distressed property, you know, in other words, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to spring for the professional photography here because it's a $50,000, you know, distressed property that is only going to net me a small uh, commission. Um, but what if another buyer or seller sees that non-professional photography has a negative uh, association now with your professionalism? If professional photography is important to that consumer. And we live in an, in, a, in a digital social world where we're only looking at professional photos because everybody has filters on their phone. So, you know, if, you know, what is your standard for, for, for service? And this is the time to think about it when, when it's, it's a little colder, there's probably fewer uh, buyers and sellers. And this is the time to really evaluate, you know, what are the, and what are the standards for customer service? When am I going to return phone calls, texts, and emails? How do I communicate that with my clients so that they understand my standards? Um, and, and so that they're not, you know, so much of this job, I think, is alleviating anxiety and and making sure your clients aren't sitting with too much fear as much as possible. But that all comes from having communication standards as well. Um, and, and just making sure that they know when you're going to reach them back. You know, what is your policy around that? And, and that's branding as well. Are you right. going to start or end every email with thanks for reaching out or, hey, uh, you know, or, or end with hope you're having a wonderful day? It sounds silly, but those kind of things have an impact in, a, in, in an accumulative way. They, they all add up. Yeah. And especially even like you said, having a, a email opening sentence or closing sentence that you use all the time when you're in the middle of a transaction with a client and things are going awry, it's almost comforting sometimes to receive just that, Oh, okay. You know, this is, this is what we're used to. Everything's fine. Um, I think that that clients sometimes find that comforting and especially just staying consistent regardless of of what the situation is. Um, And also, you know, one, one other thing that I have learned over the past couple of years is it's not just about you. It's about your team. It's about the people that you are referring your business to. 
a part of the process and also kind of outside of real estate, but in complementary fields, right? Like um, if you have um, attorneys or tax professionals that may coincide with real estate or with wealth building that you're recommending. Um, you know, I think it's, it's imperative to find people that are committed to excellence in the same way that you are, have your similar standards. Um, and it's also a bonus if you can find people that are similar in terms of their per personality or business yeah. style as you are. And that's really tough to do. But, um, you know, I, I think your clients are working with you because they like you. And then when you niche down, you start attracting those, the, the clients that you want to work with. And then um, the reason they're working with you is because they like the way you conduct yourself professionally. And right. it only makes sense that when you're bringing on complimentary or recommending complimentary people that they're a reflection of you. And again, the consistency is key. Yeah. So, but that is hard. Um, oh, for sure. It, it's really hard to build up your, your book of service providers. Um, you know, they drop the ball one time and then you're, you're pulling your hair. Like, can I keep recommending them or are they, right. are they not the right fit anymore? But yeah, that is, I, I think one of the, the hardest areas in this industry is building those connections. Yeah. And it's so important because agents, uh, at least a lot of the agents I've had and probably every agent I've had on the show has said they want to be the person that their clients come to with anything tangentially related to real estate. So whether it's, Hey, I need a contractor or, you know, I need somebody to a plumber or, or in anything that's related to, to, to real estate, I need a lender or an accountant or an attorney or a financial advisor, et cetera. Um, and so this is the time to think about what your brand is and now reach out to those, to the several service providers in each of one of those categories and say, Hey, you know, I'm looking to add somebody to my professional um, team here. And I want to tell you a little bit about how I conduct my business and here's what I do. And here's, you know, the kind of people I might be able to send your way. Um, I would love to know a little bit about your, your standards. You know, how do you, and I maybe wouldn't use that word, but tell me about, um, can I talk to some of your clients, you know, um, even, and, and start to get a sense as Dana just said of who's a good fit, who seems to treat their their clients in the same manner and has it with a similar personality as you um and that boy that you're you're so right that that is so important and and holding them accountable for that is absolutely okay um making sure that those those providers are because of course it does reflect poorly on your brand if somebody drops the ball and and you know and, and that happens too um but so always kind of evaluating and reevaluating those connections so that you know when you're referring people out that you're confident that they're going to do a great job for the client. And it's funny that you brought up the point about uh, agents wanting to be the hub for all real estate issues, concerns, problems, solutions. And I'm almost embarrassed to admit that when I started my career, after the closing was finished, like, I'm done. you know, I would get, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my head, I've kind of, you know, it, it's, you lose the momentum, right? When you're, you're working with new clients and then your old clients crop up and they're like, Hey, my sink is le leaking. Do you have any recommendations? And it's like, Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, but I have tweaked my mindset. I've done a complete 180 on that. And now I'm like, bring it, you know, bring your questions to me. I am happy to answer those because it's a compliment. It means that when they think real estate, they're thinking about you and that's what you want. Um, 
And then also, you know, I will chat real estate with anybody, anytime, because what I've learned is the more conversations I have, the more deals that I do. It's that simple. Um, And especially in real estate where, hey, just because they're not a good fit for you um, and for your niche, that doesn't mean that you can't capture them and refer them. And it might not be a straight line like that. But at some point, they might have a friend that's in your looking for something that's in your wheelhouse or, you know, business may indirectly churn out from that. So, yes, I, I will. And I'm sure there's there's agents listening to this podcast that are thinking, yeah, I get so annoyed when people call me or text me about like a, a, a leaky toilet <laughs> after they just bought a million dollar house. But don't don't be annoyed. Um, don't make that mistake. Yeah, it's it's such so important to realize that after the sale is probably in some ways even more important because I my father or my parents sold they had a investment property in well it was just a, a second um, home in um, or a condo in Myrtle Beach and it took years to sell it because they bought it at the height of the market I think in two thousand five or six and then everything collapsed and um, they held on to it and and it was wonderful for us to use for for many many years but they finally were trying to sell it and it took like three or four years there was so much inventory um, and it took many different agents and eventually somebody was able to sell it. And, um, it, you know, I, I, I mean, I cannot even tell you what a big deal this was for our family. It was just this, this constant stress, I'm sure. For my parents of, uh, and so eventually they found somebody that, that, you know, got it sold. And I, I, I kind of forgotten about it. And um, then about six months later, I'd asked my dad, I said, um, oh, I think maybe a referral had come into our office for somebody in that area. And I thought, oh, I'll ask my dad because he was really happy with the person after uh, who had sold the property and uh, the agent. And I said to my dad, who was the agent? He goes, I don't remember. I'd have to go back through my emails. And I went, my dad is like a super on top of it person. And he was so grateful to this agent. He liked the agent and he couldn't remember their name about six months later. And I thought, boy, what a shame. And he, you know, we looked it up and it was fine, but, but it happens so often. And don't let that happen. You know, to anyone listening, you don't want that to happen because my parents liked this agent and couldn't remember their name. And, you know, again, the agent might've thought, oh, these people live in Peoria, Illinois. They're never going to have another referral for, um, you know, for Myrtle Beach. Well, yeah, that's true. But I, I needed a referral. So, um, and, and, and we eventually figured it out, but um, you know, there's ways to stay in touch, maybe calling people on their, their home selling anniversary or home buying anniversary and just saying, Hey, I was thinking about you. It was, you know, three years ago today that you bought this home. And I just wanted to say happy three-year anniversary or whatever. That's a simple, easy way to stay in touch that anybody can do and cost $0. Yeah. And there's, there's so many ways to stay in touch with people, but it is hard. Sometimes you're, you're racking your brain. You're like, what else? I need an excuse to reach out, right. To stay in touch, to stay in front of people. Um, I think that, you know, if you read books like the million dollar agent, or if you read ninja selling, they're all going to harp on the the proven um, studied methods of, of you need to reach out to people eight times or have Mm -hmm. 12 touch points or, um, whatever, whatever the metric is. And that's a lot. So there's, there's a few tactics that I use. Um, and, and I would say that I'm, I'm about quality over quantity when it comes to actually serving clients, because again, I I will only take on a very select few clients. Um, and some of the, the tactics that I use are, I, I send out an annual review every year. 
Um, and I've, I've got it down kind of to a science. So this is on in the month that it would have been their, their purchase anniversary, just to cover trends that are going on. If they want to meet and talk about some of the upgrades that they just did and everybody's always doing upgrades. And I'm usually aware of them because they will reach out to me for contractors and kind of reviewing what they did and what the new value may be or um, that sort of thing. So that's a great way to get in touch with people. I also think it's super helpful to give people a snapshot of their property value over the course of time. So I like to go back 20 years and say, this is what your, what your house is worth. And just so you understand the market trends, you know, this is what it looked like in 2008 and kind of show them, look, because people it's fresh in in their minds, the last recession. So they want to see how much their property has appreciated since then. So that's a really interesting way to kind of grab people's attention. Um, every year I, I don't just send out a happy new year's card. I actually put together a magazine. Um, Oh, I love that. So I used to have to create those myself using a platform like InDesign, which is super cumbersome. Um, you know, you, you can do that. Fortunately, my company just made something available where we can do those nice printouts and spreads. Um, but I just do a write-up about my predictions for, for the new year. You know, I include recent sales. Um, I include um, some statistics. And I send that out each year as a way to um, just kind of reinvigorate the, the conversation about real estate. And I always include a handwritten note. So Love these that. take forever. I mean, I it takes me like two straight weeks, no more, three weeks to, to go through all my clients and, and put together everything. But um, the returns are huge. I, I'm curious, uh, you know, so, so you send out the physical document, uh, the physical mm-hmm. magazine with, with uh, you know, some sort of personal note attached to it. Just out of curiosity, um, you send that out in January, I'm guessing, or at the end of the year? or Yeah. So I start working on it mid-December. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, mid-December and like I just dropped them in the mail today. So people should be getting them tomorrow and, and the next day. So, so now I'm, the end of, almost the end of January. Well, but that's how long it takes. And, and yeah. I'm curious, um, is, is, is the return, and again, you're not doing it to get a return, but it does naturally happen by, you know, like you said, reinvigorating people's interest in real estate and also remembering that you're the person. Um, and so that does both of those things. It also shows that you care because you didn't just throw a happy new year card in the mail what's you know, printed somewhere without, you know, any sort of personalized, you know, note, you, you wrote a note on top of this wonderful magazine. Um, I'm curious how quickly, um, on average, you know, do you, do, you know, you probably do get calls probably pretty soon after that. Cause people are like, Oh, you know what this triggered yet. We're thinking of, of making a switch, you know, to uh, upgrade or, or moving or whatever. Um, I imagine you get a lot of those calls probably within a few months of sending those out. Oh, I mean, usually I'll get texts like awesome. the next, the next week, but it, it, this is certainly tied to my sphere and yeah. the stage of life that we're in. It's so easy writing these notes. I mean, everybody is, it's, ex- it's an exciting time. Everybody is having babies. Everybody's getting, I'm going to, I'm invited to 20 weddings this year. Oh, so oh my goodness. Married. Yes. I'm in a bunch of them. And so there's a <laughs> lot going on and there's a lot to talk about. And um, whenever we have these big life events, buying or selling real estate is usually wrapped up in that too. Sure. So it's a very natural kind of conversation to have. Um, 
but yeah, it's just an exciting time and, and people are excited and excited about real estate. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of effort, but for me, I could do basically no marketing, but if I just do that one thing, you know, to stay in front of people, it's, it's that powerful. Um, I, I am in marketing. I, I can't remember. I already mentioned this. I'm terrible at social media. I, I don't like it. I, uh, I'm not good at being tied to my phone like that. I don't want to be, but I am on Instagram to a stay relevant, you know, B I do like to see what's going on with my friends. I have a big family and I like to see the pictures, but it's also, you know, I, I follow my clients and I like to yes. keep, keep in touch that way. So, you know, I, I, I as an agent, I wouldn't be intimidated by, oh, I got to get on Instagram and I have to get a bunch of followers and, you know, be a slave to it. And it's like, sure, if, if you can go down that, that path, right. And, um, there is a lot of opportunity with social media in that regard, but if you just want to keep it super simple, follow your clients, follow yes. your close friends, interject some, some real estate stuff there, but, but mostly just kind of do it to stay in touch. That's a good strategy. Yeah, I want to I want to tack on to that if if for because there's a lot of us that are like, well, if if I'm new to the industry, I don't have the resources, time or money maybe to put together this this magazine to with my predictions. Yes, I I and we get the question we get at our brokerage a lot a lot here, and we have about 700 uh, agents at our firm. Um, is what do I post on social media? So if I'm not you know, if I'm not doing a physical magazine, but I'm doing constantly posting, you know, what do I post? And, and my suggestion is always, it's maybe not as important what you post, although you should be posting, you know, at some sort of regular intervals. But what I, what I think is maybe more important, and again, this goes back to the, the brand that an agent wants to project is, you know, Social media is, 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 and Dana just said it perfectly, is really a research and development tool because it tells you what's going on in your clients' lives. And if nothing else, all you really have to do is comment on their posts. And you can just like things, comment and say, wow, you know, great vacation or that dinner looked amazing or, and I mean, in a genuine way, you'd want to respond genuinely because boy, I don't know about uh, Dana. I, I know you're not a huge social media person, but, and I'm not either. Um, but I look at every comment that anyone writes about anything I post and, and it makes me feel good when people take the time to go, Hey, that was really cool. Or that was funny or, or whatever it might be. And that is 100% free. It's not something that you have to rack your brain to do, but if you can consistently um, for, you know, uh, 10 to 15 minutes a day, jump on and just, again, you're following your clients comment, you don't have to comment on everything, but comment on a few things. Or if, if it's even something really significant, like there's a birth of a child or somebody got a new job. And by the way, LinkedIn will tell you when people get new jobs and when they celebrate work anniversaries for, you know, you just go into your LinkedIn feed and it tells you, um, what a great reason to even pick up the phone and reach out and say, oh my gosh, I just saw that you celebrated eight years at your company. Uh, you know, that's a big deal. Like, congratulations. I just wanted to let you know, I was thinking about you. That, you know, that's branding, right? Branding right. is, if, if, if it's important to you that your clients feel that you care about them, then you better care about them, which means you better be paying attention to their lives. And social media is the, maybe the easiest way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a really good idea about about LinkedIn. And you know, it's, it's work for some people for other yeah. people, this comes so naturally. So people right. are like, well, why wouldn't you just be on Instagram? It's so easy. I am. I'm actually an, an introvert, 
most people would disagree because I don't, I don't come off that way, but you know, I I'm totally content in this work from home environment and sure. um, I'm fine. Not, not talking to anybody all day. <laughs> it's right. an interesting career path that I chose considering that, but um, so it is kind of work for me to, to, uh, to kind of go down the rabbit hole of social media sometimes. Sure. Um, but yeah. So if, if that's not your thing, that's okay. Like I'm here to say totally. that is okay. Figure out what your thing is, figure out your brand, um, know that you're, you're going to be missing out on opportunity, but you can accept that. Right. Right. And, and I'll also say too, is, is back to this sort of what you're, what you're supposed to post, like, don't worry as much about what you're, what you're posting, worry about the interactions or don't worry, but think about how you can interact with your clients through social media and celebrate the things that they're celebrating along with them. If that's all you do and you never post on social media, you will be still at the front of your client's mind because you care and you're demonstrating that. And again, it goes back to what do you want your brand to be? Um, I know plenty of, of people, introverts, uh, all, we, I talk to a lot of introverts who are on the show um, who have become incredibly successful going, you know, I'm not an extroverted person. I don't like projecting my entire life in particular on social media. That's that, that bumps up, up against some privacy and boundary boundaries I have. And, but what they do is they, they deepen the relationships by, by participating in their clients' lives. And, and that's so, you know, I always think don't focus so much on what you're posting, focus on much on, on how you're interacting. Yeah. I love that. And it, it is a good way to keep in touch with, um, the big life events. So, you know, another, another part of my brand is, is I, when something great happens, like somebody has a baby or somebody gets married, I always send a gift. And I know some people might think that that's a little bit crazy, but um, something special, something unique. Right. And I think that that stands out. I want to do it too. You know, I, I think it's exciting when, um, when these things happen and it's, it's takes very little time and effort to just pop something in the mail, um, with a nice note. Yeah. 100%. And just, just, you know, the idea of, you know, the, the gift itself is, is a lot less important than just remembering and celebrating with them and whatever amount or, or type of gift or recognition you want to do is, is probably more than other professionals in their sphere who are connected to them are doing. Um, I know that during the pandemic, I was, I've said this on the show before, but just in case anyone didn't hear, I, I was sort of paying attention to see out of all the professionals that are in my sphere, people I hire um, to, you know, my accountant, uh, my dentist, my person who cuts my hair and all of those things. I was just curious, like, I wonder who's going to reach out to ask how I'm doing. I was, and we don't necessarily, I wasn't expecting anyone to, I was just kind of interested to see who would. And only was it your dentist? Was it your dentist? No, it was my, the person who cuts my hair. The oh. only person. <laughs> and uh, uh, my, no, see my dentist, I go in every six months. So he probably yeah. doesn't really have to because it's <laughs> like clockwork. I never miss. But, but again, and I wasn't expecting anybody to do it. And I, and I certainly am not, there's no punishment for people who didn't, but I was so touched that the person who probably gets paid one of the least amounts uh, that, that I pay out is, is for, for my haircut. Um, and as far as all the different service providers I, I use, um, that was the one person who did. And not, I already have a wonderful relationship with her, but, but I thought, you know, all those other people could have reached out. I mean, the pandemic, you know, it's still going on. They could still reach out. Um, 
and again, I know it's it's cumbersome, it's difficult, even if it's just a text message. Um, you know, there's lots of ways to demonstrate that you care and, and really think about you know, your brand. And there's so many tools online that will help buyers and sellers without you, right? There's Zillow, there's Trulia, there's realtor.com. There's all sorts of, of calculators and, and, you know, AI assistants. Um, but those have a hard time demonstrating care and, 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 and sort of, um, consideration, right? They just, they're, they're very good at, at those tools. Well, that gives you the opportunity to fill that need. And if you do that, you know, you're, you'll never lose a client to another agent or, or not never, but you're unlikely to lose clients to, to someone else or to, um, or to just a, a non-human, you know, system. Yeah. Uh, real estate is deeply personal and also deeply strategic and yeah. that just can't be replicated right now with, uh, with AI or technology. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. And hopefully, uh, hopefully they, they don't figure that, that part of it out. But for now, um, it, it, you know, it's funny, I, I will mention this one. This is like what I do um, all day is I, I recruit realtors. That, that's my job. And so we were actually talking about this this morning. Um, we were talking about with my team, uh, how we would go about recruiting. And what we've always done in the past is just basically call people that we call them and, and, you know, offer them the opportunity to chat with us. And if they're not interested, no big deal. And that's really all that we've ever done. And we've sent emails before, but we don't really do that anymore. So all we do is these phone calls and we started thinking about what are better ways. And so I'm taking my own advice and we are now going to start following lots of um, people that we would be interested in recruiting at, at, at our company as agents. And we're going to be participating and commenting on their social media, you know, pics, profile, you know, their business pages, um, anytime they have success. Um, our team's going to be calling them say, Hey, we just noticed you closed a big listing. That's awesome. You know, things like that. Um, you know, we're actually taking this uh, ourselves because we want to be the brand at our company that, that shows that we care about agents. Um, and we're hoping that we care just a little bit more than their current firm, which is maybe would give them the reason to move over. So I am actually doing this exact same thing myself with respect to social media. So, so again, you want to follow your clients as Dana said, of course, uh, participate with them and then, you know, anything outside of social media, because if social media isn't your thing, great. Find other ways to do that. Writing just a handwritten note, like Dana does with, um, you know, with her, uh, her, their annual sort of review um, and that magazine is nobody even does that anymore. Like that's a huge, huge thing. I imagine that probably even goes further than the cool magazine that you put together. Yeah. Um, they, they both, I think they, they both get a good reaction. Yeah. Um, one, one other tip, that I've picked up um, since I mainly became a referral agent is I place a lot of importance on communicating, keeping whoever made the referral super informed, like overly informed. Smart. Um, so for instance, somebody refers me a client, you know, maybe that was a former client sends me a, a friend and kind of every step of the way I make sure that, you know, first, Thank you so much. I had a great conversation with um, with your friend, and he's already, you know, I recommended a bunch of lenders for him to speak with for pre-approval. You know, at the next stage, hey, guess what? We went out this weekend. We saw a bunch of homes. Didn't find the one yet, but I'll keep you posted. You know, they once they get something under agreement, another text or or whatever, and just kind of keeping them involved because that wow. makes them feel good. Like, oh, I did a good job. <laughs> um, putting, putting this connection in place. Um, and also doing it. that with other agents. Yeah. 
Yes. So if an agent refers you business, or this could be one of your, your professional vendors or any, anybody, literally anybody, um, just keeping them informed along the way and kind of sharing the success with them as you go through the process is, um, that's a standard that I have. <laughs> I love it. Um, and what, what a great place to wrap up it, it, because for everyone who is listening, you know, if you are an agent and you do have a referral that is in a different a part of the country, um, you know, Dana's is in the Massachusetts area. However, she refers business all over uh, the country as well. But if you're looking for, um, for an agent to refer business to, or that can, you know, help refer business, um, Dana is a, an awesome resource for that. And, or if you're just a buyer or a seller in the Massachusetts, you know, area, area that is looking, uh, if Dana can't help you, she will refer you to someone that is amazing as well, because she's taken the time to put that network together. But if there is anyone, if there's anyone out there that is is looking to work with you or your team or a referral, um, what's the best way they should reach out to you? So my website is is pretty much up to date, danabullrealtor.com. And I am on Instagram if you want to, you know, see pictures of my kids <laughs> and a few real estate photos um, in there, uh, you can um, reach out to me there on Instagram. And what's your Instagram? Um, oh, Dana. It's very creative. Dana Bull Realtor. Easy to find. <laughs> so, uh, so everyone, and I also want everyone to look at Dana's uh, website, which is Dana Bull Realtor dot com, um, which again, same for Instagram uh, at Dana Bull Realtor, but Dana Realtor.com is, is a really, it's again, it's, it's a very intentional website. And I want you to go through that and take a look at it and see what the, um, the branding is that she has put into her business along with the help of course, of, of, her, of her company uh, of Sotheby's, but boy, it is so intentional and so uh, very professional um, and, and really highlights and gives gives the visitor to that website an idea of who she is, what she provides. And, um, you know, you can do that too. This is the year if you need to update your website, you know, there's so many resources now, as Dana mentioned, Squarespace can, can do a lot of it for you, or you can hire people from all over the world now to help you, you know, with WordPress and, and all sorts of other, uh, or just somebody local that can do it. But um, make sure that your website reflects your brand, because people are going to look at it. You know, even the referrals that come to you that are going to work with you are going to take a look at your, at your online presence. And they want to see that, you know, your brand is consistent with what they're looking for. Um, so anyway, great opportunity. So everyone check out DanaBullRealtor.com. Also, if you're a buyer, a seller, investor, um, a renter uh, who is, you know, looking to work with, with an agent, uh, reach out to Dana. You can do that right through her website. Um, Dana, also, do you mind providing your email address if anyone wants to reach out? Sure. It's Dana.Bull at Sotheby'sRealty.com. And you just reminded me of one thing since we started the first part of this podcast, I mentioned Squarespace. And actually in the last couple of weeks, um, I think that they are going to be coming out with an IDX integration for, oh, for wow. um, listings. Yes. So my website, I built my own website on WordPress and yeah. that's cumbersome um, yeah. to say the least. But I, I've built many websites on Squarespace, and I'm really excited if they they start to roll out this option for us agents. I've been waiting for it for years. So, and, and I want I want to. So I know we were wrapping up. I want to make a quick comment about this because um, 
I, I want, we, we've wrestled with this with our own company for years and years. And I had to fight the owner, which we never, ever fight, but we finally, we finally understand each other. So what Dana's referencing with IDX is a data feed that will connect to your local MLS and feed in the ability for people to search for properties. It's really no different than what Zillow does. Well, Zillow does it a bit differently, but same idea, right? And so for years, the argument that my, our owner would say, and he was not wrong, was nobody really needs our corporate website, or in this case for everyone listening, your own individual agent website. Nobody needs that to be able to search for properties. And he's right, because of course, Zillow, truly a real, there's a million places people can look for properties, but that's not the reason to to, to not consider it for your website. The reason to consider it is it makes you look professional, right? Whether somebody ever uses your search engine or not is not really the point. The point is, does if somebody visits your website, you don't want them to have to leave your website to then go to Zillow or Truly or, or any of the other websites. So is it going to be a massive lead generator? Maybe, probably not, unless you're doing a lot of SEO. But what you at least will have is the ability for somebody to do that. So if you have a WordPress website, there's a million different plugins for IDX. You pay them like a subscription fee for that. Although with Squarespace, that is awesome news because they'll just integrate it with their entire system and you know, probably have some nominal fee for it, but it's not expensive. And again, don't look at it as a lead generator, look at it as, hey, I'm a professional, so I should have the ability to do professional things other than just, hey, here's my online business card. So that's just my own two cents on that. And Dana, you might have a different opinion, but I was just curious uh, on your, your thoughts of that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I've uh, been wrestling with with IDX for years. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's important to have on your website as a real estate agent, but you're never going to be able to compete with the tech giants. Right. Um, you, you, you just, you cannot compete with Zillow, realtor.com. Um, but I, I have a couple of websites and I do have basically like some online, some, just some splash page, uh, business card like website. Sure. And I think for a, a, a new agent, you know, just get some momentum going, That's enough. get a yeah. website up there. And, and just, it's, I mean, we're talking about a couple hundred dollars to just yeah. get, get up and running something that looks good, but yeah, it's not a complete solution without, without IDX in my mind. Um, that's yeah, a good you know, thing. It's yeah. a good thing to think about for this year. And again, it's not going to radically change anything other than maybe perception and, oh, that's cool. I can look for things. Is it hundred percent necessary? No. I mean, we have it on our corporate website. We hardly get any leads through it. Um, but at least I was tired of answering questions when agents would call me and go, how come you don't have the ability to search for properties on your, on your website? And I said, you know, the perception of that uh, for, for as a company is certainly not great. So, so as an individual agent, you, you have a bit more leeway, but I would consider upgrading. I mean, even if you have a WordPress site, you know, it might be an extra 20, $20 a month. Um, are you going to get an, an easy return on that investment? Mm, probably not. It's a sunk cost. Think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think about it as, um, is that, is that, you know, how important is it to your clients? Um, well, it's, they can live without it, but it certainly doesn't hurt. Um, right. and, and I think as you have more income to put into your branding, that's an, an opportunity to think about. 
Right. Um, but anyway, great place to wrap up. I could talk to Dana all day. And in fact, uh, we had to, we had, it didn't, I have already have talked about this in the intro, but we appreciate Dana coming back because we had a, a glitch and she is so generous with her time. We, we loved having her on the show. Dana, thank you so much. Um, I will not keep you any longer because you've spent more time than any guest we've ever had on the show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hope it was worth it. It, oh, it was so worth it. And I could have you on every month talking about branding. Um, but I will let you get back to your running your, your team and, and doing all of the things you do. So uh, everyone who is listening, thank you for continuing to support our show. Please tell a friend, think of one other agent that is you know struggling with marketing and branding, send them a link to this episode. You can find it right on our website, keepingitrealpod.com. Um, and also uh, any podcast app, just pull it up, search for Keeping It Real and we'll show up. So uh, Dana, thank you so much. And we will see everyone on the next episode. Thanks, CJ. Bye.